creative friends. Welcome to the Do It For The Process podcast and welcome also to my studio. You are sitting at my art studio desk and in front of me, let me just paint the scene for you. In front of me is a 12 by 12 canvas. There's a palette full of the most beautiful shades of white and cream and peach and lavender and orange and yellow. It's just lovely. And I'm going to paint today during this podcast recording, which I just feel like is very, very aligned because today we're going to talk about how to attract collectors. Collectors often feel like this really elusive, magical group of humans that artists are always like, but where are they? Are they only at high-end galleries? Are they online at all? How do I find them? What do they look like? What do they sound like? And they can seem so elusive. This is one of the most common questions, topics, things that we talk about inside of making our work from, it's honestly one of the most common questions I get from a lot of students and a lot of my peers. How do you find collectors? So let's demystify this a little bit. Let's humanize our collectors a lot. And let's also acknowledge how brave and how um, nerve wracking this process can be of letting your work be seen, letting your work attract the right people that are going to enjoy it, that are going to respect it, that are going to value it, that are essentially going to buy your work and support you in your creative journey. That can be a really vulnerable and really, really scary process. And I want to acknowledge that right up top. If you feel like your work is stuck in some sort of lonely imaginary box, you're not alone. It can often feel like you're talking to a vacuum. It can often feel like you're talking to a void where no one's hearing you and no one's seeing your work and no one's buying your work because you're not attracting the right people. So there's a lot of things we can do to get out of that metaphorical box to maybe increase some abundance, increase some levels of attraction um, that your work gets to have in the world. So that's what we're going to focus on today. That's what we're going to talk about today. I am going to paint while we talk. Before we get into all this though, I didn't introduce myself. My name is Emily Jeffords. I am an artist. I've been an artist for a long time. (laughs) My first art show was in 2007 and it was such a great experience for me because it taught me so much about what it looks like to be an artist, what it looks like to set sales goals that are a little bit audacious. During that art show, I was in college. This is my senior exhibition. The first time that I really sold my work, that I put price tags on my work, that I said, I'm going to sell my work and I'm going to reach the sales goal and it's going to be awesome. In that process though, I had to be bold and I had to do some things that even my professors in art school were like, you're not going to be able to do that. Like lower your standards a little bit. Your goal was too high. Uh, They talked me, well, they tried, they tried, they tried to talk me out of setting my sales goals because they were apparently audacious and no one would ever buy them. Well, I couldn't quite be talked out of my ideas. I knew that what I was saying was right for me and for my work. I knew that I was honoring my time. I wasn't even setting prices that were exorbitant, exorbitant by any means. They were fair in my opinion, and they still are fair in my opinion, maybe even a little bit low. But um, in the area that I was selling my work, um, maybe they were a little bit audacious and a little bit like, whoa, you're, you're still in college, kid, calm down. And I was like, no, my work deserves to be valued at this. And I think I can attract the right people to my work. That was my first time having to give my work the space that it deserved, even when my professors that were helping me with the senior exhibition were saying, 
no, calm down, lower your prices. Um, they also were very helpful. They helped me like edit the show and take things out that didn't fit my theme and, you know, really think through it. So they weren't all negative by any means, but that comment really stuck with me and it made me really resolute in what I was doing. Um, they eventually were like, okay, yeah, let's try it. Let's see how it goes. Just know that like, this is a bit out of the norm. Um, I, I agree and that's fine. And I stuck to my my wishes and I'm very thankful that I did because I was able to attract people to my work that I knew were going to value it, that I knew were going to honor the energy that I had spent in all four years of college to grow to this this place, this time. Um, and I sold most of the pieces of artwork, including prints that I made that I was like, you know what, I think I need to make some prints too. I think the originals are going to sell quite fast and I can make some prints. So I did that as well, sold those as well. And I was so proud of myself and thankful that I didn't let someone else's fear of failure keep me in my own phase of failure. I read this sweet little children's book to my son at night and there's a line in it that I always ask him to say, and the line is, the only failure is not believing in yourself. And it's just such a beautiful reminder that you have to believe in yourself. So that's the, the first step in attracting collectors is believing in what you're selling, believing in what you're creating and what you're offering. That is so important and nothing will progress until you have that basis really, really firm, really, really sound. Because let me tell you, you're going to go to some art shows. You're going to go share your work in the public eye, whether it's online, in person, at an art show, at an event, at a gallery show, in a shop, uh, wherever you're sharing your work, you're going to put that out into the world and you are going to get feedback. <laughs> and that feedback might be, oh, my, my kid could do this. Or it might be, um, this looks so simple or so stupid, or I don't like that or whatever. People are often very kind and they know that you're listening and they're not going to be rude usually, <laughs> but they're going to be honest, especially at, uh, like a, an art show. If you've done art shows before you, you've heard it all. I guarantee you've heard it. And that can be a little bit frustrating and a little bit annoying. So having your foundation very, very firm and saying, I love what I've created. I value what I've created is so important. Okay. I have some things to tell you before we get into this. I do have a beautiful workbook that you can download for free. It's called how to attract collectors. I'll put a link to it below. You go there, you download the workbook. It's yours. I created it for you. I'm very, very proud of it. It's very beautiful. Inside of this workbook, you're going to find some very practical pages that will help you think about who your collector is, identify where they might already be spending their time, where they might already be spending their energy, and you will learn how to bring your work to them, which is awesome. That's really the entire point we're trying to make here or we're trying to achieve here is how can you bring your beautiful work into the right spaces so you can meet the right people in the right way when they're in the right mindset to consider your work, to think about it, to love it, to value it, to value you and to buy your work. A collector is simply somebody who values your art, your creativity. That's all they are. Um, technically a collector, if you want to put that word in like really defined terms, a collector is someone that purchases your work and might have purchased more than one or two pieces of your work. Um, they are someone that is here to support your creative career, which means they have to be able to get to know you. They have to be able to follow your creative career. 
I teach a beautiful and incredibly thorough course for artists and creatives, anyone that wants to grow their business based on the things that they create, that they make, whether it's a product or a service. And one of the first things that we do in that course, it's nine weeks long, and like I said, it's it's incredibly uh, thorough and really helps you grow any part of your studio business. But one of the first most foundational parts is getting to know your buyers, your customers, your collectors, people that are buying your services, your products, your fine art, if you create fine art. And we spend the first part of the course, the first module talking about what your work means to you, the impact that it has on you, the impact that it has on your life, why you love your work. And then we tip it from you to what does your business need? What does your business, uh, what is the foundation of your business? How do you want to grow your business? And then from there, we can really get empathetic with who we're selling our work to. Do you want to create for your existing audience? Do you want to create something and attract an audience? And throughout the entire course, we revisit this concept and these ideas about how to share things that are going to resonate with both you and your audience. And then within that, how can you grow a profitable business? Inside of this workbook, there is a really incredibly powerful graph that really helps to demystify the entire process of growing a healthy creative business. Go download the workbook. Um, This is on page nine out of 19. This is a 19 page book. I'm just giving it to you because I love you. I love the creative community and I want you to have all the tools that you could possibly need. Business is one of the ways that my brain loves to play. I'm good at it. I enjoy it. I enjoy selling things. I enjoy creating and inventing things. And if I can help you, then awesome. We can both spend more time in the studio. We can both spend more time on our creative work. And that's what I really want for you is more energy going into your creative practice. So let's make the business part much, much easier. Okay. Inside of this workbook on page nine, there is a diagram of a healthy business. And there's only three things on the circle. The diagram is a circle. Is that the right name for it? Diagram? I don't know. Um, There's an image of a healthy business in quotes. Um, On this circle, there are three things listed, and these things are all synergistic. So they feed into each other, they nourish each other, they help each other grow. Your product, that's the art that you're creating, the services that you're offering, the retreats, the workshops, the products, anything that you create that you want to offer to your current community or a growing community or a new community altogether. So you have your product. That needs to be such a beautiful, elevated thing that you're proud of, okay? That really matters. And I I am the first to say that your work does not have to be at its final, most mature state to be sold. I have sold paintings all along the way that were all practice. Everything I create is practice. Everything that I create is evolving because I'm evolving and you're evolving. So it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be the best, the best, the best, but you have to be proud of it and you have to want to honor it in the world. So as long as you can check that box, stop there. That's perfect. Go, go with that. That's all you need is something that you can be proud of. Okay. So that's your product. That's the first and most important thing. And as an artist, really start here because you really want this thing that you're creating to be authentic to you. This is not like you're selling tires that you're like, yep, everyone needs a tire. Very true. Everyone needs tires. If you have a car, you need tires. 
you don't have to care about your tires. You don't have to invest your love and your energy and your, your innovation in your tires unless you're the tire creator at the manufacturing plant, then maybe you do, but you probably are not. <laughs> so as an artist, everything you create has to feel like it belongs inside of you, that it came out of you, that it's vulnerable and beautiful. And I just want to acknowledge that that can be a little bit tiring and it can be a little bit, um, it's beautiful. Like what a beautiful gift you're offering the world. What a beautiful, generous thing you're sharing with your very blessed collectors, audience members, customers. That's incredible. Okay. So let's circle on from your product that we love. It's beautiful. You're always evolving, always growing, but we are very, very proud of what you made. Okay. Let's go around the circle a little bit. We're going to tip into marketing. Now your marketing is where you talk about your work. You're going to bring it to the market. You're going to say, this is what I made. Look at it. Look how beautiful it is. Look how good it is. Your marketing has to be both effective and wide enough and loud enough to attract the right people. So in the right space, with the right tone, with the right images, with the right calls to action, with the right frequency, um, maybe online and offline. Inside of Making Art Work, we talk in depth about how to market your work. This is one of the spaces that we spend a lot of time diversifying what you offer, diversifying how you talk about it, where you talk about it, where you bring your work to the world. Because your audience, your collectors might be somewhere that you may not expect. And we talk quite a bit about that inside of making our work, which is really, really cool. But your marketing has to be effective. It has to be clear. It has to be attractive. You have to attract people with it. And then the third circle of a healthy business is your audience. So your audience has to be the right audience to respond to the right work. And this one is the most aligned. This is the one where there's the least amount of work on your part. If you are marketing the right products, to the right people, this is gonna work so beautifully. You're not even gonna to have to struggle over finding the right audience. They're going to be attracted to your work. So I would spend the most effort in the product area and then in the marketing area. And like I said, making it work will definitely help you if you're like, I need help in this area. My efforts are not paying off. I don't know what to do. Strongly consider joining us this spring. Doors open in March. It will absolutely change your business and therefore change your life. I am a hundred percent positive about that. Um, once your product and your marketing are singing beautifully together, the audience will almost come naturally, um, almost, well, very naturally. Yes, but almost organically without you having to put forth a lot of effort. You can be intelligent. You can be smart about where you talk about your work, where you market your work. Yes, yes, yes. But the audience wants to follow your beautiful work. They want to see what you're creating. They want to fall into it and love it, which is awesome. Now, if you're talking to the wrong audience, <laughs> that can be very frustrating. If you're talking to the wrong audience, you might find that you're getting a lot of crickets, that you're not attracting a lot of engagement, that people are walking past your work without looking at it. Um, that might mean that you're in the wrong space. If I were to set up a booth at a Comic-Con convention, I would get crickets. People would not stand by my booth and ooh and awe. 
it's okay. If I were to set up a booth at the Charleston Art Fair, if that's a thing, I'm not actually sure if that's a thing, but that kind of uh, energy, that kind of city would attract my collectors. They're, they're already there. I know they're already walking those streets. They're already in that space. They're already doing their thing there. That would be really aligned. Um, if I were to share my work on a Reddit form for dentists, probably not the right space. I don't paint teeth. This is such a random analogy that I just literally thought of right now, but you get the vibe. You have to, you have to show your work. You have to market your work in front of the right people who are in the right mindset. So the next thing is their mindset. Um, often we share our work with the right people, but in a way that doesn't inspire them to pay attention or to take action. So that would be the fault of your marketing. Um, inside the workbook, we go into a lot of depth on what these things are. We'll break them down even more, but let's circle back around to your product. Again, we're getting back to how to attract collectors. This is a very full conversation. Um, let's circle back around to your product, the thing that you are selling. I would like you to answer these questions. That way you can really settle into how good and how beautiful your work is and how much it deserves your energy. I'm going to work on my painting while we talk through these questions. Number one, is your work good? This question can feel a little bit vulnerable and I want you to take your, your critic. I want you to take your judgmental energy and maybe silence it just for a moment. I want you to flood your mind with love for your work. I want you to flood your mind with your love of the process. How good did it feel to create your work? How good did it feel to plan what you're, what you're offering? How good did it feel to invent this thing that you're working towards selling? It could be a retreat. It could be a wreath making class. It could be muffins that you're hoping to sell at the next bake shop show, bake show, <laughs> bake sale. Um, Whatever, whatever you're creating that you're like, I want to offer this to my hopeful collectors. Is that work good? Now, after you've done so much love and fallen into so much pleasure when you think about your work, now very cautiously turn on your inner critic just a tiny bit. Your inner critic is one of the most valuable things you can offer your creative practice. It's that space where you get to improve you got to evolve. We talk about this a lot inside of making art work, but when you feel that inner critic really rise up and say, Ooh, I don't love that. That's not quite right. That's a good thing. That's your inner critic saying, Hey baby, you can actually do a lot more. I know you have more inside of you. I know you have better inside of you. This is a great stepping stone. I'm all for it. Let's go ahead and sell this. And what if we can play a little bit and do a little bit better and try a little bit, uh, not harder, but try, try something in this direction or maybe evolve in this way. Your inner critic is so powerful and so helpful as you grow and as you evolve and as you shift into a better and better creative, a better and better artist year after year. Whew, I love my inner critic. It is the thing that has made me fall in love with my practice year after year. I don't want to get bored. You don't want to get bored. That's not fun. Your inner critic lets you explore new possibilities, lets you move into new things. And I am thankful for that. Okay. So with a tiny bit of your inner critic engaged, is the work good? 
Can you be proud of it? Can you actually be proud of it? If the answer is yes, awesome. Is the work beautiful? Does it have some soul? Does it have some, you know, that thing that just is exciting to you? There's something that makes your eyes dilate a little bit. There's something that makes your heart beat a tiny bit faster. You go, oh, I like this. That's beautiful. And it doesn't have to be aesthetically pleasing. I'm not talking about pretty. We're here for beauty, which is deep. And it might mean it's actually ugly on purpose, or it might mean that it's jarring or thoughtful or sorrowful or vulnerable or soulful, or maybe it's very pretty, but whatever you want it to be, is it doing, is it sharing that emotion effectively? Is the beauty coming through? Is the depth coming through? Does it have a point of view? This is our third question. Does it have a point of view? A point of view lets your work talk to the right people. Um, There's a reason that very generic things sell very (laughs) live, laugh, love signs. If you have one in your home, please don't take this the wrong way. But live, laugh, love signs are boring. They will sell they're fine. No one's going to be like, oh my gosh, this all of art is doing this incredible thing. They made a sign that says live, laugh, love. Like no one is saying that. There is no point of view to those words anymore. They have been overused. They are no longer unique. They're probably not going to attract really anybody at this point because you can get them at really any home goods store and that's fine. What is your point of view? How are you going to attract unique collectors that are like, oh my gosh, I saw this landscape by this artist named Emily Jeffords and I can't get it out of my mind. There's something about it that I just love. Or I saw this beautiful painting by Michelle Armas and the colors, the way that the colors bleed into each other. It's just like, it's so unique. I can't stop thinking about it. Whatever that thing is for you, um, Apply that same concept to your work. Does your work have that kind of point of view, that unique perspective, that thing that you're playing with and trying that is bringing you so much pleasure? Back to the theme of the last, the last entire season from 2023 was about pleasure. Pleasure is something that I think as an artist, we should be pursuing very thoughtfully and consistently. Um, does your work have that pleasure that brings your unique point of view to the forefront? Okay, there's a few more questions. I'm going to let you go through those in the workbook. Um, They're really just thoughtful, but those are the three that I think we should sit with. As your work rings true in these three areas, is the work good? Is it beautiful? Does it have a point of view? You're going to begin attracting people, like I said, almost without you having to try. Now, your marketing is incredibly important in that process. This is where making artwork really sinks in and becomes incredibly practical. So like I said, if you need help in the marketing area, if you know that your work is good and should be attracting people, but it's not, the issue is almost certainly in your marketing. And that's easy. (laughs) That is so easy to fix. So consider making artwork if that's where you're kind of getting your hang up. But some questions that I would like, like for you to think about in the marketing area are, am I elevating this, this work, this offer, this thing that I'm creating? And when I say elevating, think about all of the sides of it. Whenever you talk about your work, is are you doing so in a way that is impactful, that is going to catch someone's attention, that is going to make your work look so 
oh my gosh, like, uh, you know, when you see something and you're like, wow, that is incredible. That is so beautiful. That is so well done. The things that are making you say that are often the actual thing itself. Yes. How it's photographed, how it's being spoken about, where it's being shared, how it's being shared. Is it in a magazine? Is it on the sidebar of a Facebook uh, you know, messy feed? Is it an ad? Is it being shared on Instagram stories? Is it being shared in your local boutique? Is it being shared in a high-end gallery? Is it being shared in a high-end museum? Is it being shared at a, at a garage sale? <laughs> Maybe not that one. Um, where you're sharing this work, how you're talking about this work, the way that you're elevating this work, that is your marketing. And this is the space that it's the easiest to play. This is why I'm saying making your work is going to be so fitting for you and absolutely worth the investment because if this is where you're getting hung up, then all we have to do is play. And I will absolutely help you with that and guide you through that entire process. It is not as hard as you make it out to be. I promise you that it is not as hard as we make it out to be. We, we talk about marketing as if it's impossible and exhausting. It's taking all of our energy and all of our time. It does not have to. It can be simple. Let it be simple, especially if your work is good. It will become so fun. Sharing your work is so fun. When you love it, when you know that your marketing has effects, that it's paying off, that you can see the results of it, suddenly it is fun to market your work. Okay, my third, oh no, my second question. Are you putting that work on the pedestal that it deserves so that it can get the honor that it deserves? This is very similar to are you elevating the work, but it takes it from a little bit of a different point of view. Are you putting that work on a pedestal? And a pedestal is a metaphorical term for the right platform. Is it being shown in the right way? Is, is your website really singing and making your work beautiful? Is the styling um, effective? All of this kind of shifts between your branding, your photography, your website, your presence, your your social media presence, your wholesale, where the work is being shown. Is it being displayed in physical form well? Is it being displayed in digital forms well? There's so many aspects to this. And like I said, all of them are fun. All of them are fun. <laughs> so if you're like, oh my gosh, I can't do all this. Breathe for a minute. I believe in you. I know you can. I've watched hundreds, actually thousands of artists do this inside of making artwork and do this in a way that has changed their lives. Once you begin to find this process fun and you begin to see the results, I promise you, you're going to be like, oh, I get it now. Oh my gosh. I love this. I can do this. Okay. Our third question is, if I am creating beautiful, soulful, powerful work, check, check, check. Do you believe that people want your work? Whew. That question can be very vulnerable. And it can be scary to answer honestly. And even after so many years of selling my work from I mean, my first show in 20, 2007 to today, every time I share my work, I have this question in the back of my mind. Do people want my work? And the answer I have to come down to, that I have to resonate with and that I have to believe is 
I want my work. So I know somebody else does too. I want this. I love this. If it doesn't sell, I'm okay with that because I actually kind of want this. <laughs> if I have that feeling for every painting I sell, I am in the right place. That is exactly the energy I want to bring to my entire creative practice. I want this thing. So I'm happy to share it with someone else. But if it doesn't sell, I'm actually okay with that. Especially for an original where I'm like, I love this baby so much. I love it so much. Of course, I don't want to keep all of my originals and I want them to sell, but I want this. I love this. I'm proud of this. And of course, if I like it that much, someone else is absolutely going to love it too. Okay, inside of making artwork, we're gonna get very in depth on ways to market your work and how to attract your collectors. Inside of the workbook that's linked below, I have a really helpful start for you. Let's get into that start. That's gonna really help you um, you know, get on your way with this whole marketing thing that I know can feel overwhelming. I would like to remind you that sustainable marketing begins with authenticity. As you begin to empathize with your collectors, begin to empathize with your prospective collectors. If you're like, I don't have any collectors, Emily, no one's finding my work. Okay, fine, no big deal. We can think about where your collectors might be, where your prospective ideal buyers might be. Um, and when you show up in those spaces with authenticity, because you genuinely like your work, again, that attraction part becomes really simple and quite effortless. So let's get into the marketing parts of things. Um, let's talk about methods for marketing. Again, this is in the workbook in greater depth. I'm gonna give you a little bit of a preview. We go into extraordinary depth on this inside of making our work. I know I keep talking about that, but I just firmly believe in the value of this course and the effectiveness of this course. I've watched it change the lives of so many creatives. Um, Krista Coons is one of my Favorite examples of this, she took the course when it first began. She was one of the first ever enrolled artists inside of Making Art Work, and she's a ceramicist living in Arizona. She creates the most beautiful work. And when she began the course, her business was awesome. Her work was great. It was beautiful. After Making Art Work, I watched this shift happen inside of the way that she talked about her work, the way that she connected with her audience in the most authentic way. She shows up as an artist in her ceramic studio and talks to the camera, which you don't have to do, by the way, if you're like, I don't like that vibe. No problem. There are ways that we can definitely market that don't include you talking to the camera, but Krista resonates with that. It feels good for her. She began photographing her work in the most beautiful ways, styling it so beautifully. And I, as the one who first met her in this course, have gone on to buy so much of her ceramic work. <laughs> like I'm sitting at my art table now and I see three things that she made that I adore and cherish. But were she not showing her work as effectively as she is, if were she not bringing it to her audience, which now includes me, I don't think I would have that connection with her or with her work. So authenticity is the most important through line that you're going to hear in everything we talk about today. So again, going back to, is your work good? Do you love your work? Are you proud of your work? That is the foundation. We're going to start there. We're going to sink in there, really fall in love with why your work matters. Okay, marketing methods for artists and creatives, a quick overview, organic in-person, 
which would be organic things that are in person. So connections made in real life. This could be wholesale at a shop where your work is on the shelves of a shop. You don't have to be there, but your work is there in physical form. This could be art shows. This could be um, trade shows. This could be anything where you are physically in person or your work is physically in the presence of somebody. Organic online marketing. We often think about online marketing as this um, exhausting, elusive, beautiful, fun, happy thing, depending on where you fall on that spectrum and like, do you like it or do you hate it? And it can kind of vary day by day, am I right? Um, organic online marketing is when you share, your, oh, that's kind of loud. When you share your work, I'm gonna switch to a quieter brush. Okay, this is a nice soft bristle brush. When you share your work in a way that makes you happy and you're like, okay, yes, I love this. I wanna talk about this. I'm gonna share this work. And instead of running ads and boosting posts and putting your work in spaces where maybe you're kind of stretching yourself a little bit to put your work in that space, you just wanna document your work and you wanna share it in that space very organically. That is organic online marketing. People are attracted to your content. People are attracted to your work. Now. I have a lot more coming on this inside of this podcast. Um, I have some predictions and some thoughts about marketing online in 2024 and beyond. We'll get into that. There is still a space for online organic marketing. It is a little bit messy now because the algorithms are so smart, but work it like let that work in your favor. Let that be something that you can just take and run with because if the algorithms can help you, which they will, let them. Like, how cool is that? So we'll talk more about that in a different episode. Um, and we'll talk quite a bit more about that in making our work. But um, just know that there is absolutely a large space for online marketing to be very organic and very connective. And you can be human to human with your audience, which is just so beautiful. Um, back to my analogy about Krista. She does this incredibly well. This organic online marketing is her sweet spot. Other artists do in-person marketing very well, doing shows, doing events. Um, my friend Haley Hughes lives right down the road from me. She's an incredible artist. Uh, she sells her work online, but she also sells her work in person and does so well in person at shows, events, pop-up shops, um, wholesale. She does a beautiful job of this. So go check out her work, Haley Hughes. Her work is so happy and beautiful. People are attracted to your content. They follow you on social media. They listen to your podcast. They read your blog. They consume whatever you're putting into the internet. Um, and those things have to be beautiful and within your vision, of course. And they're doing so on the platform that serves them best. So if you can empathize with your collectors a little bit, if you can think, okay, if my ideal audience and my ideal collector member, my ideal um, buyer is a certain person comfortable within a certain space, um, enjoying this kind of content already, where are they spending time online now? Because you can just go to them and be on that space, be on that platform, let that algorithm work in your, in your favor. If your audience is on TikTok, be on TikTok. If they're on Pinterest, be on Pinterest. If they're on Instagram, Instagram is your space. Like kind of empathize with who they might be and where they're spending their time currently. Get to know your people. If you don't have them yet, then use your imagination. Your imagination is incredible. You're an artist, you're creative. Your imagination is so powerful. Go meet them where they are and where they feel most at home. 
Again, if you're kind of stumped, <laughs> joy making artwork, I will clear this up for you. You're going to be like, oh my gosh, I know exactly where to go. Perfect. Okay. The next space that you can market your work is paid in-person marketing. So this would be things like art shows, galleries, art in public spaces where you split commission. You're basically paying to be present. Um, and this is often where you find organic uh, in-person marketing as well. Like usually for organic marketing, you're often like somehow exchanging energy to have that organic in-person space. Um, the difference might be, for example, my neighbors buy my art. I love that. Thank you very much. That's so organic. I didn't pay to be, well, I mean, I did pay to be their neighbors, I suppose. So maybe it still applies to this category, but I didn't like pay to go knock on their door and say hi bye I didn't do that regardless don't don't do that <laughs> but you know what I mean we just made that organic connection they enjoy my work and then there we go um that kind of thing is incredibly organic but oftentimes in-person uh, marketing can have a little bit of pay to play for example you're splitting commission you're wholesaling your work you are paying to have a booth, you're paying to go to a conference, you're paying for exposure or access or space, right? Like that's very normal. So expect that, okay? The other space that you can pay to market your work is online. There's a lot of space to market your work via paid resources online. Sponsored content, collaborations, giveaways. You're you're not paying in a giveaway most likely, but you're offering your products, your services, your time, your energy for free in exchange for something. You can run ads, right? You can there are so many ways that you can expand your online marketing. Um that might also mean that you have to pay a little bit and that's to be expected. You are running a business. So again, we don't want to be frivolous with our marketing budget. I would never recommend that. But you do want to grow your business. You can do this organically. You can work, um, you know, you can work on that angle exclusively. And that has worked for me for a long time. Organic marketing is my jam. I love it. I love that I rarely run ads, that I rarely need to market my work um, with ads. I just show up consistently, talk about my work with so much love, attract people to my to my work and my content and my, you know, my posts and things like that, that takes time. That takes energy. Um, you can also pay for that exposure via ads, via collaborations, via sponsored content. Okay. The next way that we can grow in the marketing space is SEO, which is search engine optimization, ranking well in search results like Google, Pinterest, Etsy, wherever you see a search bar and you can type in Emily Jeffords. That is SEO. That is search engine optimization. Oh, well, not SEO. That's a search. That's a search engine. I should say it that way. To optimize, when you type in my name, do I come to the top? There are a lot of things that you can do on the back end of your listings or of your website or of your um, wherever that content is being searched for. Think about that platform specifically, whether it's Etsy, your website, um, Google, Pinterest, YouTube, wherever you're having that search, are you making your content as easy to find as possible? And every platform will have its own search engine optimization. And we get, again, I'm going to say this again, we get very nerdy about this inside of making it work. And we have a search engine optimizer expert that comes and talks to us because this is a science and it's very beautiful and very rich. 
Okay, let's start talking about your audience. Now that we've talked about your marketing a little bit, and within your marketing, I want you also to remember that your photos, your videos, the way that you present your work is that connection. You can be incredibly um, popular. You can have your work literally everywhere in all of these spaces, be spending a ton of money, be spending a ton of energy in these physical spaces, these online spaces. If you're doing so with poor photography, with poor product design, with poor packaging, with kind of shoddy videos, with out a vision, without a finesse, without some thought behind what you're doing, what you're sharing, um, you're going to waste all your energy and all of your budget, and it will not lead to results that you want. So do not do that. Um, everything that you put into the world needs to amplify and elevate your work. Okay. And again, this is where you play. If you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do that. I understand. This is where we play. We make 1% progress each day. We do not try to just become 100% better overnight. That's not possible. Let yourself evolve. Let yourself play. Let yourself experiment. Try things. Enjoy things. It's so much fun to evolve in this way. But all those things matter tremendously. Okay, in your audience. Hi, collectors. This is where we begin to talk to our collectors. Are you speaking to the right people? Again, if I were to show my work at a Comic-Con, I would not be speaking to the right people at the right time in the right way. It's not my, it's not my audience. They're not listening to me right then and there. Um, not to say that anyone that goes to a Comic-Con wouldn't buy my work because I know for a fact that's not true. But in that mindset, in that uh, energy, in that tone, in that room, my work would not shine in the right way. And that's okay. I know that. Someone else's work, Corey Gobby's work, for example, um, would do beautifully and they would sell so, so, so much. And that's awesome, but not mine. And I know that. Are you pricing it for the right people? Now, um, this is one thing that's tricky because often we think when you hear that phrase, oh my gosh, my work is too expensive. I need to lower my prices. No one's going to buy it. It costs too much. That's why no one's buying it. I got to lower my prices, have a sale, have a discount. Um, I hear that so often, <laughs> so often. However, when you value your work, you let other people value your work as well. So think about buying lotion from the dollar store versus buying lotion from Saks Fifth Avenue. Which one are you going to enjoy more? Which one are you going to want to purchase more? This might vary from person to person, but you got the analogy, right? Like if something is valuable, if something is beautiful and good, then it's okay if it might cost a little more because the right people want to value something. Again, this is the difference between going to home goods and buying Live, Laugh, Love that was made at some mass-produced factory and buying something that was handcrafted, hand-carved, hand-painted, hand-whatever, or not even hand, like something that's elevated, something that has that, oh, this is special. I'm willing to spend a little bit more on this thing that is deeply beautiful and meaningful and special that I'm going to cherish for a long time. I have a painting by Anna, Anna Nunez in my dining room. It gets so many compliments. It is so beautiful. It was worth me investing a little bit of extra money, a little bit of extra like, ooh, I want this thing. Can I buy it? 
oh yes, I want this. It's so beautiful. It's so good. Um, I am thankful I did that. I have no regrets. Your audience, your collectors are going to have that same energy. They might go, oh, it's a little expensive, but, and I get those emails all the time. All of my, not all my collectors, but often my collectors are like, this is a big deal for me. This purchase matters a lot to me. And that lets me show up and value their purchase, value them, be so thankful for my beautiful collectors who are spending so much love and energy on my work. Like that's awesome. It also lets them respect and value and be cherish my artwork. So it's a bit of a two-way dynamic there. And I love both sides of that dynamic. That is so special. Next, I want you to think through what are the needs of your audience? Get practical. For example, if you paint huge, beautiful, massive paintings, if you make giant weavings, if you make huge sculptures, the needs of your collector who's going to buy that work are different than someone that lives in a 900 square foot apartment with two kids. Maybe. Maybe not. Um, but think through if my work needs to become this thing, I have this vision, I have this love for this work, I want to create this kind of work. Then who is your best suited audience member? Who is your best suited collector? Um, if you want to sell 1 million note cards, then where are you going to find those buyers? How can you access people that are, are ready to buy note cards that want to enjoy that process. Um, Ink Meets Paper is a local letterpress shop and I love their work. It is so cool. They distribute their cards so well. Like, I think this is their goal. They probably already met this goal actually. They probably already sold a million note cards. I'm, I don't doubt it at all. Um, and with that goal in mind, they distribute their work widely, but they also are selective. They don't put it everywhere. Not every shop has their cards. The shops that match their aesthetic, that match their point of view, that match their values, they get their cards. And as a result, their note cards and their, their letterpress goods are so special and so beautiful. And you're willing to spend 7 or $8 on one card because it's so, it's so good. It has a point of view, it's thoughtfully displayed, it's packaged beautifully, it's photographed beautifully, all the things are checked, right? That's awesome. Um, so think through your work, get to know your work first and foremost. Again, we're starting with that. Is it good? Is it beautiful? Do you love it? What's its point of view? What does it need? And then find the buyers who also need that thing. Where does your ideal collector spend time so if you're selling those massive, huge pieces of art, a gallery might be a great idea. It might be the best place for you to sell that work because people that are looking for large paintings or large pieces of artwork are going to a gallery to find it. You could also go a licensing route and sell your work via interior design-focused shops like Anthropology or Crate and Barrel or Restoration Hardware. You could you know, kind of go that more licensing commercial route. And again, we get into that in making artwork. If you're like, I don't know how to do that, I'll tell you. What is your audience interested in? So with the context of your art in mind, where might they already be spending time for pleasure? Um, Pinterest comes to mind readily for my work. It might not for yours, but for my work, Pinterest comes to mind really quickly because when someone's thinking about maybe redesigning, redesigning their living room or redesigning a bedroom or 
um, elevating their space in some way, they often go to Pinterest. And when they do, I want my art to be in that space. They're having fun. They're enjoying it. They're ready to spend some pleasure. They're ready to sit down and get some work done in this you know, beautiful project they're working towards. And my art belongs there, of course. Um, a museum, a gallery, a beautiful bookstore, a beautiful coffee shop, a boutique, a salon. Like, where does your work fit? What venue feels the happiest and most aligned? Start making a list. Where do your collectors find joy? This is very similar to what are they interested in, but where do they find joy? You can spend all of your energy with the perfect product and the most beautiful marketing, but if you're talking to people who don't care about what you're saying, it's not going to be effective. So again, the venue matters. Not only the venue, but the mindset matters. So think through where is your work going to shine best? How can you help it shine? How can you let that work really, really um, be beautiful and bold and glorious? Inside of this workbook, there are some worksheets for you to think through. Again, this work this workbook is 19 pages long. Sit down with it, print it out, get out a highlighter, get out a notepad. Um, this is free totally free. This is only a tiny baby sample of the tone of voice, the content, the education, the way that I teach inside of making our work, the impacts that this course is going to have on your career. You'll get a tiny baby taste of that in this workbook. So go download it. Like I said, it's totally free. You're going to get so much value out of this and it's going to really set you up for success in your career as well as inside of this nine week course. I cannot wait to watch your work take over. Um, it's going to become so impactful, so beautiful. I want to watch you attract me as a possible collector. I want to watch you attract others as possible collectors. That process is fun. Again, remember to be so gentle with yourself. Anytime you come up against that inner critic or that harsh voice or that sense of overwhelm, Please stop yourself right then and there. Give yourself love and tell yourself these words. Okay, now I get to play. That's my favorite trick. <laughs> it works so well. Whenever I'm overwhelmed and I'm like, this isn't working. I don't know how to do this. I'm overwhelmed. It's, uh, it's exhausting. Instead of being exhausted, I stop, I breathe, I listen to myself for a minute and I say, okay, now I get to play. And that little turn of phrase changes my mindset and suddenly... I'm kind of invincible and that feeling is awesome. Okay, I have gotten basically no painting done at all. I have like a rough outline of a landscape here. The colors are slapping though, so that's exciting. They're very beautiful. Um, we have this beautiful periwinkle and blush pink and this soft white. What's it gonna become? I'm so excited to find out. All right, I'm going to work on this baby for a minute and see where it shifts and how it evolves. I hope that this has encouraged you and inspired you. Again, go download the workbook and join us in March for making our work. This course happens once a year and this is your time. Do not wait until next year. That is a long ways away and you have so much growth ahead of you until then. And I'm honored to get to walk with you, whether it's just in this podcast or in the course or wherever we evolve together. I can't wait to watch you grow and evolve. 
um, watching creatives thrive is mm, <laughs> leaves me speechless apparently, but like I just got washed with this wave of gratitude and purpose and the joy that it brings me to watch other creatives thrive is unmatched. Okay, this has been a long episode. Thank you for being here with me. I can't wait to hear from you. If you would like to download the workbook and email me, email us. My my sweet, sweet team, um, Sky and Kate are often in the inbox and we would love to hear from you. We value you. We value this community. You can also drop a comment below in the review of this episode of this podcast. I would love to hear from you however it feels comfortable for you to do so. DM me, email us, comment right here in this app. I just really value your voice. And while I love sitting in my studio and painting and talking to myself, I also really love hearing from real humans. So thank you for being here. All right. Next week, I'm going to come at you with another very robust episode on social media trends or not even trends, but like things that I'm seeing and sensing that are shifting the landscape of social media, that are shifting how we should show up, the ways that we should engage, the ways that we should evolve. Um, I'm very excited about it. And I think it's going to be really fun to work with these changes and these shifts and not let them define how it can feel a little bit tiring to always be evolving with them. I think we have a lot of space to play and a lot of space to grow. So that's coming up. Um, it's going to be a very rich two-part episode, maybe three parts. Honestly, there's a lot to get into, which again, just simply means we get to play. So let's do that and have that kind of attitude, that kind of tone of voice, that kind of mindset. There's a lot of play ahead. <laughs> and we got this. We got this. All right. Go to emilyjefferyslearn.com to learn all about making our work. There's a link right below. There's also a link that you can go to to download the workbook right below, also on that same website. Thank you for being here. Again, my name is Emily Jeffords. If you're new here, you can visit my fine art at emilyjeffords.com. My studio is there and you can see my paintings. You can see what I'm working on right now, most likely. Um, it might be on Instagram by the time you actually hear this, which is Emily underscore Jeffords, J-E-F-F-O-R-D-S. All right, bye for now.